Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time. Bam! Bam! For our next Survivor Series matchup. Coming down the aisle with his main squeeze, Luna Vachon. Bam! Bam! Bigelow! Better known perhaps as the Beast East from the East. Hello and welcome to Camel Clutch Cinema, the podcast where we talk about movies that star wrestlers or have wrestling in them. I'm Guy Hutchinson. And I'm Craig Cohen on this episode. What happened to you? I don't know. I all of a sudden felt like cracking up. Did a fly go up your nose? I have no idea what that was. All right. Well, what is it? it? Tell us what the episode is. (laughs) I'm leaving this in. It is, uh, we are talking about three Bam Bam Bigelow cameos. Yes, Scott Bam Bam Bigelow. I loved this guy. Yeah, he was great. He was um, really always fun to watch. I'll tell you, when I first saw him, I remember just being amazed, you know, as a kid at the fact that he had these tattoos on his head. I mean, flames going across his giant head is just an amazing thing to a child. Yeah, and the other thing is, even as an adult, he was able to pull it off, and not a lot of people could pull off <laughs> flames on uh, a shaved head. Yeah, and not only could he pull it off, I've seen great pictures of him, you know, smiling with kids, and it works that way, and then it works with the snarl on his face. He was really able to pull off flames on the head. That's a, that is not an easy feat, so uh, you gotta tip your hat to him for that. I remember, I remember when I was in grade school, uh, we had a project where we had to do a, like, sort of like a warning poster where it was like, don't smoke or something like that. And a friend of mine dared me to do one with Bam Bam Bigelow on it. Okay. <laughs> he was like, do one about Bam Bam Bigelow. And so I did, I did a poster, which I got an A on. Don't be stupid. Don't get heavily tattooed. And I had <laughs> pictures of Bam Bam's head. <laughs> And arms all over it. And the funny thing about that is um, you were living in an area that, you know, conceivably Bam Bam could have found his way there and seen the poster. (laughs) God, he would have scared the heck out of me. What do you think? I'm stupid. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, Bam Bam Bigelow. We're both from New Jersey. Uh, He is also from New Jersey, the beast from the east. Yeah, he was billed from uh, Asbury Park, I believe. Yeah, I think Asbury Park. Um, he was he he was trained by Larry Sharp at the Monster Factory, and I mean he was he was an East Coast guy. And you know there was a time where all of the New Jersey wrestlers were really big guys. You know, it was, you had like guys like King Kong Bundy and Bam Bam Bigelow who were always from New Jersey. It was just for some reason guys from New Jersey were were extra large. <laughs> Um, he, uh, he was born, born in Asbury Park. He, he died, uh, 2007 at a, at a, at a young age and a very surprising death. He died from, uh, some kind of drug overdose, but he had just before that, about two years before that, he had been in a terrible accident. Do you remember this? Yeah, it was a, a, a car accident or a motorcycle accident. Motorcycle. With, I think it was a uh, motorcycle. And, with his girlfriend or his wife. Right. And, yeah. and I mean, it was a horrible, horrible accident. It was 2005. He had a, a broken nose and, and, and other things. And his girlfriend was in critical condition. 
and they they felt that um, Bam Bam would eventually be charged and go to trial for it. She did recover eventually, and she was with him until he died two years later. You know, uh, of a of a drug overdose. There was a he had heart problems um, and had been taking a lot of stuff. I, I don't know what they you know they ruled the cause of death, but he had a lot of stuff in his system. Uh, but God, I love that guy. I've seen shoot interviews with him. And he was just a guy that they'd be like, what was it like working with, you know, Hulk Hogan? He'd be like, oh, it's great. Hulk Hogan was really great. I really liked that. They'd be like, what was the Lawrence Taylor thing? Like, oh, it's a dream. It was great, man, everything. And he was one of those guys that just seemed so positive, you know, so, you know, nice, you know, despite this incredibly surly look. Yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. I mean, it makes for boring shoot interviews, but it's it's always kind of nice to see somebody approach those <laughs> without trying to put themselves over. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Bam Bam Bigelow, when he debuted in in WWE, he had already worked in Memphis with Jerry Lawler, and he had he had debuted nineteen eighty six. So when he came to the WWF at the time, he he had only been wrestling for about a year. Yeah, I mean, he had to be pretty young at that point i mean you know early 20s probably yeah which is crazy i mean it is it is remarkably young and he already had the tattoos because he said he got those now there i've heard more than one reason but the one i hear the most often is that he was trying to impress his school teacher when he was in high school okay which uh which i don't know it sounds like a story you'd tell people because it's funnier than you know just that one day you were like hey i should have flames on my head yeah that actually, I wanted to ask you about this. Mm-hmm. Um, he had that very distinctive look with, you know, the tattoos on the head, but also his ring gear was sort of like the um, the pants and the and the shirt with the with the flames on them as well. Right. Was this a look that he pretty much came to the WWF in? That's a good question. I, I don't know. I've seen early pictures of him where he had all black on, but I don't know how often he did that. I don't know if WWE was like, put the flames on there. I do know that before he was in WWE, he didn't have facial hair and it, 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 it didn't look as good. You know, he needed mm-hmm. that like beard to go with it. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, but it was a great look. His first look in WWE was better. It was all flames. In the second, they incorporated a, a BB logo on it. There was like a forward B and a back. Backwards B, and I didn't like that look as much uh, as the just initial, you know, tights that just happened to have flames all over them. You remember when he debuted? How all the managers were were saying, "Oh, I'm going to manage him." You know, like Slick was like, "I've got him locked in," and and Heenan was like, "No, he's coming to be part of the Heenan family." Do you remember this? I do remember the the battle for Bigelow. That was so great. And then he's like, "I'm going to tell you who my manager is, Oliver Humperdinck," and we're all like, "What?" Like that guy who our parents listened to sing, you know, which was which was the wrong Humperdinck. But yes. we're like, who on earth is Oliver Humperdinck? But you know, Humperdinck was a was a manager down south, showed up in these ridiculous, you know, coat of many colors and you paraded around the ring as his manager. And the thing that Bam Bam could do was he would do like cartwheels and just amazing agile moves for a guy that was, you know, close to four hundred pounds. Yeah, I remember as a kid seeing that and it was probably the most impressive thing I saw in wrestling, <laughs> overshadowing whatever Jimmy Snuka jumped off of right? or whatever moves you might have seen a high flyer like Ricky Steamboat or Savage do. Watching that guy do a cartwheel at that size as a kid, I just couldn't process it. Yeah, I uh, I remember 
that and I remember, you know, watching Bam Bam Bigelow and Bobby Heenan calling him Bam Bam Boogaloo. Uh, <laughs> and I remember there was that Survivor Series match, the first one. And they had Hulk Hogan's team against Andre the Giant's team. And Bam Bam ended up being the last one left on on his team. And he was up against three, uh, Bundy, One Man Gang, and Andre the Giant. And he, he, he pinned Bundy and eliminated One Man Gang and then lost to Andre. And it was, you know, it was such a rub that he came that close. You know, it was like, this guy is the biggest thing. You know, this guy is a huge superstar. And then he had some kind of knee surgery, and then he was gone. I mean, he left the WWE. He was only around for a year, which, you yeah. know, was remarkable. Yeah, I actually, I don't remember that Survivor Series match, mainly because we probably didn't get that pay-per-view. Okay, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, um, it's the first one. What I what I remember a couple things was the VHS was like a yellow box with pictures on the front, way more pictures than you needed. It was like all the different teams. And I don't think I got it when it was new by any yeah. stretch of the imagination because we didn't get a lot of pay-per-views, but I rented it multiple times. And I still remember, and it's so stupid, but I still remember uh, Bobby Heenan mocking everybody on the team. And he was like, he's like, look at Hogan's team. They're all thinking – how are we going to get rid of Hogan? You know, all the, all his, uh, his tag team partners. And he's like, look at, look at Paul Orndorff. He's like, mm, I don't know. Bam Bam Boogaloo is like, I don't have a clue. You know, I think it was Ken Patera was the other teammate. And it was like, I just remember Bobby Heenan building up that match so much on primetime wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. The, the other interesting thing is seeing him function as, you know, as a face pretty much because you'd think with oh. that look and that gimmick, he would have been a heel. Yeah, I mean, that was the best part about it, you know, was the, all the managers wanted him and all the fans, we were like, yeah, he's going to be a heel. And then he shows up, you know, and it's it's a Brodus Clay style switch where he, we think he's going to be this, you know, monster and he comes in, he's a nice guy, you know, and, and he's doing cartwheels and, you know, and hanging around with a guy with a real shiny, brightly colored, you know, rainbow jacket. <laughs> <laughs> so he leaves, goes to NWA for a little bit of time, then goes to Japan for a while and is gone for about four years from WWE before he comes back in 1992. And this is when he comes back as a heel. This is, you know, Oliver Humperdinck's not with him. He he shows up at the Royal Rumble, defeats the big boss man who was a face at the time. There's a guy who's been on both sides of the fence. And you know, uh, was in the, the King of the Ring tournament all the way into the end, almost won it and lost to Bret Hart. I mean, this was a really, really exciting run. Yeah, yeah. And the, the other interesting thing about it is he was gone for four years, which is a really, really long time, even by today's standards. And for him to come back with the same exact gimmick Mm-hmm. is is pretty remarkable yeah, because same you know, gimmick just flipped mm-hmm. it you know he didn't they didn't repackage him and you know yeah. put a hat on him or anything and say no he has no tattoos on his head i guess that's probably part of it do you think there was ever a moment where vince was like could you grow in dreadlocks and he's like no i <laughs> i've got a bald head with tattoos he's like i guess we got to stick with that yeah yeah do you remember um, he was with Luna Vachon for a while and, you know, he, the, she was his main squeeze and uh, they had that feud uh, with Doink the Clown, which which ended up going to the Survivor Series where there were four Doinks, but none of them were Doink. Yes. There, there was uh, there was the Bushwhackers with Doink makeup and then Men on a Mission with Doink makeup. God, I, you had to think if you're Bam Bam, you're like, this is this is it, right? Right? I'm never. This is all downhill from here. There's no chance of me headlining anything after this moment where I'm fighting against the four doinks. 
Yeah. I actually, I think that was the, uh, the Survivor Series I went to. Yeah, I think it is. Actually, I've seen pictures. Yes, you were, you were there, you know, front row. Did it, did it make an impact on you? The fact that I remember that match shows that it did. <laughs> I think but, I have pictures in my collection of, um, of, yes, of a bushwhacker with the clown makeup. Yeah, and also the the uh, big uh, King Mabel, I think. Sure, yeah. Uh, maybe uh, holding a balloon. Big this, yeah. Oh, my God, they were just – I mean, they just had to act stupid. I mean, that was just the doink gimmick, you know. Um, so anyway, after this, the reason why I point this out, this is – Really got to be the low in your career when your team is losing to the four doinks. And then shortly after this, he's at the Royal Rumble, loses another match, but gets into a fight with, with, uh, Lawrence Taylor right there in the front row of, of, you know, the wrestling event. Oh, yeah. Now you remember how this, how this whole thing went down. It was like Lawrence Taylor and his guys are kind of laughing at Bam Bam and then Bam Bam yells at him. Lawrence Taylor gets up and Bam Bam shoves him down and they kept replaying this. Oh yeah. I thought it was real. I, you know, still to this day, I mean, you know, unless Lawrence Taylor comes out and tells me otherwise, I'm going to believe it was real. It looked like this was not part of the script. McMahon seemed so angry on commentary, but you got to believe this was all part of the plan. Yeah, and it, it boils down to whether or not we think that Lawrence Taylor had the ad- acting ability to pull it off. <laughs> it was such a great gimmick. I remember Taylor's got glasses got a little askew. He had like his shades on even though he was indoors <laughs> in an arena. And and so they were building up to this fight. And I knew a guy at the time who went to church with Bam Bam Bigelow. This guy was a radio disc jockey and he knew Bam Bam, said that Bam Bam was really good to the church and would, you know, would come by and bring stuff and do stuff for charity and whatever. And he said, he said, in a real fight, there's no way Lawrence Taylor would have a shot against Bam Bam Bigelow. And this match went on and you saw right away that Lawrence Taylor did not have a shot against Bam Bam Bigelow. Yeah. I mean, I don't know at, th- at this point where he was, you know, physically, but. He it seemed like winded. his knees were completely gone. Yeah. Yeah. He was winded. He was breathing heavy. I mean, he was, you know, he was, he had a, he tried a move that didn't work and then almost, you know, was unconscious. I think he had a concussion out there for about half that matchup. Yeah. And then they pretty much carried him out. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, so, it looked like a victory sort of, you know, carry, but yeah. <laughs> it was the, I can't walk. You're going to have Yeah. Help. I mean, he had to go up on the stage and dance with Salt and Peppa who, are kind of holding them up as they're dancing with them. But, you know, it was, it was a decent showing. And for a guy like Lawrence Taylor, who was that big of a star to give that rub to wrestling is a good thing. It's just in the, in the scheme of things as a wrestling fan, you're kind of like, I want Bam Bam to win this. This is Bam Bam. A year ago, he had to lose to the four doinks. Yes. <laughs> so Bam Bam went over to ECW. I got to see him fight against Terry Bam Bam Gordy in the Battle of the Bam Bams, which was a huge deal and a and a decent match. Had some goofy finish, but it was uh it, it was pretty amazing to see both of them in the ring at the same time. And around this time, I went to go meet Sonny at an autograph session at the old Route 18 flea market. Craig, remember that? Yes, I do. I, I still drive by that all the time and look at it sort of empty. Yeah. It's empty just building. slowly falling apart over there. Nobody else has shown up to take over the space. But she was there doing an autograph session, and there was a guy there 
like her maybe manager, coordinator, whatever. And she said to him, she's like, I want you to call Chris and call somebody else. And I don't remember who the other one was. And she's like, and call Bam Bam. And it struck me as, as, as funny that she was calling everybody that she was talking about in the, with their human names, <laughs> except for <laughs> Bam Bam Bigelow, who I guess no matter where you deal with him, he was always Bam Bam. Yes. <laughs> now at that appearance, Sunny, I guess she was the 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 attraction that you were going there for, and there was no reschedule of any kind. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that. That was the gimmick there, was you would show up like I showed up to meet Triple H and Kane was there, which for a brief moment I was like, Is that Kane? I mean, yeah. I don't know, you know, and then I was like, No, if they got a guy that big and he's not Kane, for God's sakes, you know, I still want to get my picture with him. But yeah, that was the thing. You'd you know, you'd see who was gonna be there. And half the time they'd, you know, they'd be like, ah, you know what? We ended up with so and so. And, and, and a lot of times, you know, a lot of times they'd say, we're going to have Mick Foley, you know, it's mankind probably at the time. We're going to have mankind. And then you get Flash Funk. You know? <laughs> um, Bam Bam went over in 1996 to Japan to do some, um, uh, shoot fighting, the, uh, the UFC kind of thing, the mixed martial arts. And he fought against a guy. Do you know the guy's name? Uh, I have it Kimo? in my notes. Kimo Leopoldo. I, I've never heard of this guy, but he was he was good enough to defeat Bam Bam Bigelow pretty quickly. Yeah, it's it's a whole it's a whole other discipline. I mean, it's really it's really amazing to you know just just you know it seems like MMA really shares an audience with pro wrestling, but they're really so dissimilar that. It's 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 not surprising. Yeah, Bam Bam Bigelow claimed that he got a hundred grand for that, uh, according to Wikipedia. Other people have said he got seventy five grand for it, but either way, he got a huge <laughs> payday for that fight. And he said in interviews, "Hey, I'd do it again if anybody wants to pay me again. I'll I'll gladly get beaten up for forty seconds for for a huge amount of money." So that reminds me of that uh, Kevin James movie that just came out, or oh, uh, Bring on the Boom, or Here's yeah, the where... Boom. You know, they talk about a payday and then the guy's like, yeah, and if he had won, he would have gotten even more. Yes. <laughs> um, Bam Bam went around, did some, a lot of ECW would kind of, kind of go in and out of there. I think he did a lot of independent work and then showed up in the tail end of WCW from 1998 to 2001, which is a rather unimpressive period of his career, except for the fact that it will tie in with one of the cameos that, yes. uh, that we're going to talk about. Uh, and then he went on the independent circuit, circuit wrestled until the end of 2006 and then died in the beginning of 2007. Uh, Sad that he died before his time. He he wasn't even at a stage where he couldn't perform anymore. You know, I mean, it's it's really a shame and, and just seemed like such a cool guy. I've heard stories from people that they saw him go to like a convenience store and buy like, you know, a jug of iced tea and then get in line and finish it before he got to the register. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just an awesome, you know, human being. So let's yeah. talk about the first of these three movies, Joe's Apartment. Have you ever seen this one? Um, not that I can recall. I, I just know that it involves talking insects. Yes. Now, I, I will state you've seen all of these cameos, and we will watch them again uh, during mm -hmm. this. But uh, Joe's Apartment is, is, a, is a movie with a guy with a bunch of roaches that talk to him. Now, this was a skit on MTV for a long time. I think it was like commercials during the, during the breaks when they would go in and out. 
Yes. And then they made the movie. Jerry O'Connell's in the movie. I think there was a different guy on television. Yeah, who I guess didn't have any kind of pull at the box office, so he was easily replaced. All you really need are the cockroaches. Yeah, but I don't know. The domestic total gross for this movie was four and a half million bucks, which is not a good amount of money for a Warner Brothers wide release in 1996. Uh, In the summer, no less. Yeah, exactly. This came out July 26, 1996. I've got the description here, the, the way they build it. A nice guy who's just moved to New York discovers he must share his rundown apartment with a couple thousand singing, dancing cockroaches. Sure. <laughs> he uh, He's trying to get an apartment and he's having trouble, you know, finding one he can afford. And then there's this rent control thing where he can get this old lady's apartment and it's full with roaches. And they come up to like, hey, Joe, what are you doing, Joe? And and he's like, oh, my God. And he brings girls over and the roaches do obnoxious things. It's basically Ted only with a guy and a bunch of cockroaches instead of a, a foul-mouthed teddy bear. It's, it's essentially the same plot. Hey, if it works. It didn't. Four and a half million bucks. <laughs> uh, but it is uh, there's a sequence in the movie where Joe's trying to to stay afloat, trying to stay afloat there in New York City. And these cockroaches are fouling up everything. They're ruining his love life and they're ruining his work life. And so we see he's working at like a copy place and he's like, here are your enlargements, sir. And he hands them to the guy and there's a giant cockroach enlarged on the xerox copies and the guy looks and the boss looks at him and says you're fired and then we cut to bam bam bigelow yes in a hard hat let's let's take a look at this right now you're your enlargement sir (laughs) you're fired you're fired you're fired you're fired you're fired okay uh, so you can hear Bam Bam Bigelow loud and clear there in his hard hat, which covers up the flames on his head, Craig. Yes, it's a very, very weird cameo. Yes, I mean, why hire Bam Bam Bigelow and then cover up that head? I guess if he didn't have his head covered up, you'd have no idea what possible job this man could be firing him from. Yeah, I almost wonder if there's a story behind that. It almost reminds me of the the Jim Norton cameo in Spider-Man, sure. um, where everybody's reacting to Spider-Man and they cut to Jim Norton and he says he stinks. Right. I don't like him. And the Bam Bam cameo reminded me a lot of that one. And it just seems so out of left field. And it seems like there has to be some kind of story behind it. Yeah, I mean, it could be something where Bam Bam had a bigger part or Bam Bam was doing stunts. I can't yeah. imagine he doubled Jerry O'Connell. Or the cockroaches, but uh, Bam Bam was doing something for this movie. Maybe the bigger scene. This is a very short film. This movie clocks in at one hour and 20 minutes, including all the special effects credits. So, I mean, this is a really, really short movie. Um, Bam Bam saying you're fired. Donald Trump's signature phrase. Donald Trump, a WWE Hall of Fame inductee for the year 2013. That's pretty awesome. Yes. So, what do you? How do you feel about this cameo, Craig? <laughs> Horrible, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it it's almost one of those things where is it really worth calling a cameo? Even yeah, I mean, I saw this movie in theaters, um, and I 
the moment I saw him, I was like, oh, my God, Bam Bam Bigelow. And then I kept waiting for more Bam Bam Bigelow. And I never got any more Bam Bam Bigelow. And this reminds me of another Kevin James movie. There's a, a movie called, um, I think it was 51st Dates with uh, with with Kevin James has a, like a one second part in this Adam Sandler film very early on in the film where he, uh, where they're showing all the dates that Adam Sandler's had. And this girl goes, Oh, he told me he was moving. He told me he was married. And then this one girl goes, he told me he was gay. And then they cut to Kevin James and he goes, he told me he was straight. I and remember that. Yes. This is in the trailer for the movie. And yeah. so I saw the trailer. I was like, wow, I love that guy. I can't wait to see this early on in the movie. I'm like, oh, there's his line. That was great. I can't wait to see him again. And then we never see nope. him again. That was it. And this was one of those things, man. I, I saw this and I thought we might be getting Bam Bam Bigelow, European Gigolo. I thought this might be the Bam Bam movie where Bam Bam moves in on Joe and tries to take his girl away before the big climax where the roaches do something and make all the flowers look pretty in New York. Yeah, it almost seems like they, they, they could have because they definitely had the five to seven minutes to, to spare right. for that storyline. That's right. They should have. Well, it's uh, it is what it is. Let's move to the next one. Major Pain. Craig, tell me the plot description for Major Pain. All right. When peace breaks out in America, killing machine Major Benson Winifred Payne, played by Damon Waynes, of the U.S. Marine Corps Special Forces is given his marching orders to the unemployment line. Now, this movie made twenty nine million at the box office. A year before the other one, 1995, this was a universal film, March of 1995, with a with a runtime of an hour and 38 minutes, which I would say is about 20 minutes too long. <laughs> so we've gone both ways. With As a matter of fact, if, if they had just split the difference and, and gone a, an hour and 30 minutes each, I think each of these would be the right length of time. But this, uh, for a PG-13 film that's aimed at young kids, this film's a little on the on the long running time for me. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this was also a time when Damon Wayans was pretty much the only Wayans <laughs> brother or Wayans sibling that the, the country knew. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th this uh, Keenan Ivory Wayans had a had a big run shortly after this. Now, I don't know if you would say that Damon is the biggest one. I guess what would it be, Marlon or Sean? I mean, who do you think has had the most success? Well, I think you could ultimately probably argue that it's still it's still Damon in the sense that he had that that TV show that might still be on the air. That's one of those shows. Um, it's a sitcom. Does he have like a family? The, yeah, and yeah. it just runs forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, although Sean and 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 Marlon, they they did all those wacky movies. They did the scary movies. They did the white the white chicks. Yes. And they did uh, they did Little Man, where they actually. <laughs> Put Marlon Wayans' head on a, a baby's body. All right. I watched Major Payne again the other night. And here's, here's the story of Major Payne. He's in the army. He's killing people. There's a, a great scene early on where this guy is shot. And he's like, I'm going to make it feel better. And he breaks the guy's finger in half. And the guy's like, oh, what did you do? And he's like, now you're not worried about being shot. And so he gets called into the office and the 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 head, you know, the superior officer says to him, 
you're going to have to go. We, we don't have any more wars. And he's like, somebody must need some killing. And he's like, no, you've killed them all. <laughs> and so they send him <laughs> off and he gets this job at a, at a school that's run by William Hickey, who played an old man around this time in a lot of movies. And I just love this guy. He was a great character actor and he runs this little school and there's, a bunch of kids in this like junior ROTC program and they're all kind of outcast and misfits and Damon Wayans is there to, to whip them all into shape and his methods are insane. I mean, you have to yeah. keep as you watching this, you know, say, Oh, well, this is, this is a comedy and we are supposed to like him. I think even though he's incredibly mean, making children urinate themselves because he won't let them use the bathroom calling uh, kids names. And so they start coming up with plans on how they're going to get rid of them, how they're going to get them to quit. And so they try putting a huma- humongous amount of X-Lac into his uh, food. And that's going to, you know, hopefully that'll just make him run to the bathroom for a year and then he'll quit. And instead he just passes gas so odorous that it <laughs> almost kills one of the kids. One of the kids just falls down. And that's it. But that's all that happens to him. Like that cleared his system and he was good, even though they had put like 20 packages of X-Lax in his cupcake. Uh, so is, that, is that even possible? <laughs> I, I, I don't want I don't want to be the guy that, that tests test that out. But I, I wonder if there was some poor intern on set at Universal <laughs> that had to load up on X-Lax, uh, X-Lax and see if they uh, if they were able to break wind. <laughs> so. So then they, they, they get their, their biggest and best idea. They hire Bam Bam Bigelow. We don't see a scene where they hire him. We just see he's talking to the kids and he's like, all right, you're going to march and you're going to do this, even though it's raining and this and that. And then all of a sudden you see Bam Bam pull up. He's on his motorcycle and you see the flames tattooed on the top of his head. And you see the 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 mark from the chewing tobacco in his back pocket. He's dressed all in black, lots of, you know, motorcycle leather and black jeans. I mean, he was looking really, really tough. Yeah, I, this is one of those things when I watched the scene, I said to myself, well, this is it. You know, Bam Bam's going to take care of business, roll credits. So Bam Bam comes out and he's like, hey, Payne. And uh, so so Major Payne goes over to him and and they have a, a little back and forth, a little one of those, uh, you know, uh, uh, your mama kind of things. Let's take a look at the clip right now. We'll We'll listen to it and watch it right now. Say to you, be five foot bum. What beanstalk you fall from? You know, I heard you've been giving these boys a hard time. In fact, I heard you couldn't cut it in a real man's military. I heard that it's time for you to leave. You know what I heard? I heard your mama was so fat she played pool with the planets. Thinking about leaving yet? Well, actually, I think the party just begun. <laughs> now, what I'm gonna do 
and take this right foot and I'm gonna put it across the left side of your face. Don't give me that Billy Jack bullshit! You said you were gonna hit me in the face! What, you calling me a liar? Now that is a cameo. Isn't that great? I just yes. love that. Um, the, the dialogue, like where he's like, I heard you couldn't make it in the real man's army. I think Bam Bam delivers it well. Yeah. It's, it's the perfect utilization of, of your, ca- you know, of, of your cameo person. Yeah. I mean, he's a big surly guy and he looks like a big surly guy in this movie. And the lines Damon Wayans has are great. You know, the, uh, uh, I heard your mother was so big. She played pool with the planets. I mean, that stuff is funny and it works because in this movie, they've built up this character to be so tough and physically. And I don't know if this is some trick photography, you know, angles and stuff, but he, Damon Wayans looks like he's a match for Bam Bam, but you really feel like Bam Bam's going to take them apart oh yeah that was that was what i thought and of course uh for those of you that haven't seen it uh bam bam takes him apart beats him up and then that's what you're hearing at the end of that he he beats him up and then he watches the kids for the rest of the movie (laughs) no no a couple shots and then bam bam's down and major pain steps on his stomach as he walks back to train the kids some more yeah, who let out a collective sigh at, you know, their savior being destroyed. <laughs> the uh, the movie then goes on to where he uh, he tells the kids, he's like, you know, they're, they're competing for this trophy against this other school. And he tells them, hey, if you can go over to that other school and steal last year's trophy, I'll leave. And so all the kids go over and they try to steal it, but they get caught. And they get in a big rumble with the other school and they get, they get beaten badly. They go home bruised and embarrassed. And he talks to him and he says, Major Payne says, Hey, what did it feel like when you saw that trophy? Did you want it? And they said, Yeah. He said, Did you want to steal it? And they said, No, we wanted to earn it. And so they realized Major Payne is the guy that can take them in this Rocky story for them to, you know, to, to outlast this other school. And it's a pretty exciting finish. Um, I'll spoil it and tell you they win. You know, it's, I don't think you were expecting anything different. And then you see the new recruits for the next year and it's the same kind of thing. They're, they're slackers and major Payne's going to call them names and tell the one he's Ace Ventura. And, oh. Yes. And, and major Payne 16 is coming out this summer. <laughs> yes. It was such a huge hit. I will say though, that box office at that time, this is the most successful of the three Bam Bam Bigelow cameos. And it is the most successful of all the films Bam Bam did appear in. Uh, 29 million bucks. I'm kind of surprised they didn't do another major pain with a different actor at some point, you know, like a straight yeah. to video or made for made for what channel would have done it then? Maybe TNT might have done it. Yeah, or even whatever, whoever owned the rights to the, the family channel. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that. I was thinking ABC family or Fox family or whoever yeah. whoever was in the family channel business at that point in time. I'm surprised they didn't slap together a, a sequel to that. But that was that was major pain. And that one, that is a major cameo. Yeah, oh yeah. It, it's 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 up there probably as 
one of the the better wrestling cameos too in terms of really utilizing the talent that you had on hand. One quick note, I did uh, look up um, Damon Wayans, and I learned that my wife and kids hasn't been on the air since 2005. (laughs) (laughs) How long was it on the air for? It ran from 2001 to 2005, and it does have 123 episodes, so I have to think that it was in syndication somewhere for a while. Absolutely. I'm sure it was. Um, and, and if not, you know, uh, maybe you, you, this, this episode was recorded years and years ago and you were, you were right on. Yeah. (laughs) You know, uh, so Craig dropping those current, my wife and kids references. Bam Bam Bigelow was alive when that show left the airwaves, Craig. Yeah. Goodness. Ready to rumble. This is the third film we're talking about. Yeah, and we actually devoted a whole episode to it at the time. Um, but that won't but we didn't... stop us from talking no. all about it all over again. And we also didn't spend much time talking about Bam Bam. Yes, as we episode. shouldn't, because his part in this movie is not very big. Um, we did mention earlier that his, his run in WCW led to him being in this movie. And that run in WCW, not very big of a deal for a guy with the career he had, but... Let's talk a little bit about that. November 1998, he debuted there, portrayed as this, you know, this guy from outside the company who was feuding with, with Goldberg. They were always trying to run that kind of an angle. It was always the NWO or you're a guy from up north or, you know, yeah. you're, you're one of the New York guys. And so he came in, feuded with Goldberg, and then he moved into their hardcore division. Remember when everybody had a hardcore division? Oh yeah, you know, yeah. It was, w- it was it was a big thing. Yeah, WWE had the hardcore championship that Mick Foley was the first person to hold, and then you know over in WCW they had ECW alumni. They had Ravens Flock, and they also had Hardcore Hack. Remember this nonsense? <laughs> I do not remember okay. him by name. Let but me I'm tell sure you. I rem- he was better known as the Sandman. And for some oh. reason, they wanted to call him Hardcore Hack. And on the other side, WWE was like, well, we will call Thurman Sparky Plug, old Bob Crash Holly. We'll call him Hardcore Holly. So we will, yes. we will have our version, which is as, as ridiculous as you can get. And so a, a small-minded, arrogant man got a nickname Hardcore in the WWE. And over there was Hardcore Hack. And so that was uh, where where... Bam Bam was doing a lot of his time. He was in a stable with DDP and Chris Canyon, and it was called the Jersey Triad. And awesome. this is around the time that they filmed Ready to Rumble. Uh, mm-hmm. After Ready to Rumble in, in 1999, the Triad uh, disbanded. Um, uh, Bigelow feuded with Mike Awesome for a while. There was uh, an ambulance match with him and Bigelow. Mike Awesome did another crazy gimmick where he was wrestling the ICP on top of a uh, a, a, bus. a bus. And so I don't know why anybody, I'm sure Bam Bam didn't get on top of the ambulance with him, but I mean, there was, there was a time where if Mike Awesome and a large vehicle was involved, there was a good chance you were getting a career ending injury. Yeah. That's where Shaggy two dope almost died. Oh my God. He, he did a power bomb and, it's a, it's, I mean, it's hard to just blame Mike Awesome for this. You can't blame Shaggy, but Mike should have held on to him after the powerbomb because they were on top of a bus. And so he powerbombed him. Little Shaggy bounced and slid off onto his head from the top of the bus. Horrible, horrible thing. But you can find it on YouTube and enjoy it. Yeah, you can also, you see um, 
Mike Awesome reach out for Shaggy. Yeah, yeah Mike Awesome is like, oh, my God, he, like, falls yeah. down and starts reaching, trying to bring him back up. But no, 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 no. <laughs> Uh, the final match of WCW, the final night of WCW, the final match was Sting versus Ric Flair. But on that card, on the night where Vince was arguing with Shane McMahon about who owned WCW, there was a final match between Sean Stasiak and Bam Bam Bigelow. And there was a stipulation on this match that if Bigelow won, he would tattoo uh, Stacy Keebler on him, but, uh, Stacy Eck won the match. And so Stacy Keebler didn't get, uh, <laughs> didn't get tattooed on Bam Bam's body. Now I actually remember watching that episode, but I do not remember that match. I, yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine it was a very memorable one. So you watched that channel, not the, you weren't watching the WWE feed. No, I mean, at that time, I remember I was at my ex-girlfriend's house, yeah. and I used to watch Nitro with her dad on Monday nights. Yeah, well, that was the last time. That was <laughs> that was it. Well, here was the thing. Nitro, and I almost think this was intentional, Nitro had their audio all screwed up that night. Everything was coming in like a second later once you know they had the simulcast with WWE, because Nitro was on a beach somewhere, and WWE was in an arena, and there was this weird echo of you were on their channel. It was like one final reason that people were going to not be watching Nitro was this horrible yeah. echo as he was like, the name on the contract is McMahon, but it's Shane McMahon, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> that was really amazing, though. Uh, you know, just seeing that and realizing what that meant for professional wrestling. Yes, yes, indeed. WCW's big movie, Ready to Rumble, made $12 bucks at the box office, was a Warner Brothers release April 2000, and it was also a PG film, running time of one hour and 46 minutes, with a production budget of $24 million. Yeah. And you know what? Watching that movie, it's really, really, really hard to see where that money went. And, <laughs> and, and I love that movie. It's a great movie. I've recommended it. But... You don't see that money up on the screen. That looks no. like a movie that probably could have been made at that at that time for what ten to twelve million dollars. I, I got. I think I have an idea. I think WCW build the rental of the arena and everything else that they were selling tickets to to the production cost of this film. Yeah, I, I think you're, you're you're definitely right there. I got to tell you though, another thing that blows my mind when I watch that movie and then see guys from that movie either in indie promotions or over in TNA, I say to myself, I say, do those guys realize or do they guys, do they appreciate that they were in a major motion picture? Yeah, I made a big-time movie that was on screens across the country. I bet it was one of those things where they couldn't see it. They were on the road. They were busy. They yeah. didn't get a chance to go to the movies that weekend. It didn't last a long time at the theater. As we know, it cost twice as much as it made. So it, it uh, you generally have to make twice as much as it costs to really break yeah. even at the box office. So yeah. it's not I got to tell you, though, like, imagine, like if I was Disco Inferno, <laughs> anytime I had people over, I'd be like, come here. We got, we got to watch my scene in, in Ready to rumble <laughs> you know i mean i it just it's not something everybody gets to do i mean i know they were wrestling on tv every week in front of millions and millions of people but this was a major motion picture that was seen globally or at least had the opportunity to be seen yes globally. no it did go globally they called it uh headlock go, american go american wrestling, go, go american wrestling. <laughs> 
<laughs> over in Japan. That was the that was the crazy title for it. So Bam Bam Bigelow's cameo in Ready to Rumble is that he's one of DDP's goons. <laughs> yes. And during he, the during the four post massacre. That's right. So when you listen to this show, the last thing you hear at the end of every episode of this show is the uh, the the outro. He goes, he goes, oh my god, it's a four post massacre. No one can survive this. This isn't even a pay per view. He was one of the four posts. Yeah, it's one of the coolest looking wrestling scenes in that movie. You've got uh, DDP standing in the middle of the ring as he go- as he you know beckons on his four goons to drop you know headbutts from the top rope and and Bam Bam certainly the most devastating of the headbutts. Both men are down. Wait a minute. Here comes Page's goons led by Sid Vicious. They are some of the biggest and meanest men in our sport, and they're all coming out now to help Diamond Dallas Page. Watch out, Gang! Yeah, yeah, it's a great, great moment in that movie. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, thugs that, you know, are, are run by the promoter of that uh, that federation that's sort of, that is WCW, but it's not our WCW. It's an alternate universe WCW because it's run by Joey Pantaleone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's talk about the time periods that these movies were released in. All right. Joe's Apartment came out July 26, 1996. And in July 1996, WWE, at the time, WWF, on July 21st, so this would be just a week prior, they put on In Your House 9 International Incident. (laughs) I think we've probably talked about that title, at least, because I know that we love the In Your House um, titles. And, you know, it's surprising that there wasn't a Joe's Apartment skit during this pay-per-view well now you have to look at bam bam's career though to know that at this point he had just started over with uh he had left wwe in 1995 and so this was probably just after he left and just before he went to ecw i don't think it's mentioned on there he's he's not on the card so he was no longer uh at least on this night he wasn't wrestling but that's it i you would think that they would bring it up for God's sakes. This is in your house. They needed to fill some time. Exactly. And you know, they had a relationship with MTV. So you'd think, I I don't know if they had a relationship that far back, but they definitely had, no, they, you know what? They did have a relationship, uh, since the rock and wrestling connection. I mean, MTV has had a lot to do with wrestling later. MTV hosted heat, but USA network, if they were still on USA, that, at some point became part of the same big conglomeration with MTV. Um, yep. Let's talk about this card. International Incident. The The main event was uh, a team, the Camp Cornette team against the People's Posse. 
<laughs> the People's Posse was Shawn Michaels, Psycho Sid, and Ahmed Johnson with Jose Lothario in the corner. And Camp Cornette was Vader, Owen Hart, and the British Bulldog with Cornette in the corner. They went for 24 minutes with this six-man tag nonsense. <laughs> I got to Dust- tell you. I gotta tell you, based on the personnel, it sounds pretty, it sounds like it could have no, been a good match. It, it sounds like a good match, but then you remember Sid's in it. <laughs> um, also on the card, Undertaker defeated Goldust by disqualification. You had Stone Cold Steve Austin beating Mark Marrow in 10 minutes. Mankind defeating Henry Godwin in six minutes. A tag team match with the Body Donnas versus the Smoking Guns. Remember the Smoking Guns and the Body Donnas? Yeah, well, it was Bart and Billy. Right. Um, Billy, who went on to be um, the, the ass man in DX. That's right. And, so and have, Bart, who went on to get knocked out in Tough Enough. Yeah, or, but let's let's brawl for all. But let's all. let's give him all the credit. He beat everybody until he had to fight a real boxer. <laughs> and that, I think, is is saying something. But you had the smoking guns, Billy and Bart. And then you had the body Donna's skip and zip. Yes. And I got to tell you, I know the, I know the smoking guns were billed as brothers. And I'll tell you, out of all the, the wrestling tag teams that were billed as brothers, those guys really looked like they could have been brothers. I bought it. Yeah. I absolutely bought them. I also believed all the Andersons were related. Um, and there was, <laughs> they really did look related, those Andersons. Yes. Um, let's talk about another one. Do you, do you know what was going on when one of the other Bam Bam movies came out? Um, yeah, actually, um, in April 2000, which would be ready to rumble time when ready to rumble came out, there were two separate WWE, uh, WWF at the time, pay-per-views. We have, of course, had WrestleMania, which was April 2nd, 2000. It was held at Arrowhead Pond Stadium or Arrowhead Pond in Anaheim, California. That's right. That's Um, where the mighty ducks used to play. Now it's just the ducks and the Clippers, I believe, play. No, the Clippers can't play there. Who? Can't be the Anaheim Amigos. They're not playing basketball anymore. But it's a it's a nice little stadium. It's they just call it the pond usually. That's the one that's right near the right near the the, the ball uh, the, yeah. the baseball yeah, stadium. The okay. Angel Stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've actually I've been there. Um, not for an event. I've been in well, the parking lot. <laughs> I got to tell you, I met Hulk Hogan and Mr. T there. So it's it's a very relatable story to this podcast. I oh, went through- okay. I, yes, I think we talked about meeting T. I. I think so. Yeah, but it was the Winning Way convention, yes. and uh, it was a it was a really cool thing. Donald Trump also on the uh, on the bill that night. Yeah, it was where you brushed off Hogan, if I remember I did, correctly. I did. I know Hogan <laughs> wanted to shake my hand, and I didn't see it. And that forever there will be the handshake I didn't get. Oh, but goodness. it was a, it was a fun day. But it's a you know it's a nice place, terrible place to stand outside of because it's all like mirrored glass, and so on a hot day, it's like this this sun is shining on you from the sky and from the reflection on the building. Uh, but but it is uh, it is a nice place. What happened there, Craig Cohen? Well, in your main event, you had Triple H, who was champion at the time, with, with Stephanie. Uh, he defeated The Rock with Vince McMahon, Mick Foley with Linda McMahon, and The Big Show with Shane McMahon. So this was that match where each McMahon brought a competitor to the match. Now, I just saw Royal Rumble 2000 the other day. This Royal Rumble 2000 had uh, a nice rumble. Uh, who won it? I'm trying to think who actually ended up being the winner in it. Um I, I can't remember. You know, it's so funny. And it, it was a rumble we were at, right? Yeah, and it yeah. was it, it didn't mean enough to me who won the rumble. But what I do remember was there was a match between Mick Foley and uh, Triple H. And there's a gimmick in it. Now, first of all, this was Mick Foley's last match ever. 
And there was a gimmick in this match where he had a uh, two-by-four covered in barbed wire. Yes. And he uses it on Triple H, bloodies him up terribly. And then he get, the referee takes it away from him and gives it to the announcers, and they put it under the announce table. And so then later, Mick's like, give me that two-by-four back. And they give him what is clearly a different two-by-four. <laughs> It's giving. Yes. So then he could rub it all over Triple H's face and nothing bad would happen to him. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So that was, and that was Mankind's last match ever. Also on that card was Taz's first match where he defeated Kurt Angle, his first WWE match. It was a great card. We were there live. Um, and this was also the card where Mae Young took her top off. <laughs> yes. You remember that? Oh, how can you forget it? Ah, oh, so great. And, uh, and we had, you know, the, uh, the headbangers on the card. You had the big boss man. You had the, oh, you had the rock winning the, the, the rumble. He, he threw out the big show at the end and X-Pac had drawn one of the last numbers. So one of the last people to come out was X-Pac. And I remember even at that moment being like, it's his year. It's his year, man. It's X-Pac's <laughs> year. So. So anyway, so at this, Mick Foley retires. We're done. No more Mick Foley. WrestleMania a few weeks later. Why in the holy hell is Mick Foley in the ring, Craig? Because Linda McMahon needed him. That's right. So he came (laughs) out of retirement and appeared again. And then he did retire for quite some time. You know, he didn't didn't come back for a long time. And then, you know, sporadic appearances. I actually don't mind his coming out of retirement because – the way he comes out of retirement, really, it doesn't feel – he didn't get the big uh, Ric Flair send-off. He got more of a, I'm going to spend time with my family, but I'll be back on and be the general manager and stuff. So it kind of – when he shows up and puts on a, the tights and, you know, does the match, you know, like with Edge at WrestleMania that year, didn't feel like a, a big, you know, um, disservice to those of us who saw him in his last match ever at Madison Square Garden. But it did feel like it when he showed up at, at WrestleMania that year. It just felt like, hey, you told us we were seeing your last match ever. Yes. So that was what was going on. Now, there was another pay-per-view, you said, that same month? Yes. And at the end of the month, in uh, April 30th, or on April 30th, at the MCI Center in Washington, D.C., they did Backlash, which was headlined by The Rock defeating Triple H with Vince and Stephanie for the WWF Championship with Shane McMahon as the special guest referee. Wow, 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 wow. Major Pain came out in March of 1995, and what's really exciting about this, Craig, is April of 1995, you get WrestleMania 11, which is the Lawrence Taylor Bam Bam Bigelow WrestleMania. Oh, wow, okay. So I guess this means that the reason if they didn't show it on WWE TV, and I don't remember them showing it on WWE TV, I guess the reason probably was that you couldn't have the guy who's the heel in the main event and promote it that he's in this movie. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so this is the WrestleMania. You got Bret Hart beating Bob Backlund. You got Diesel with Pam Anderson against Shawn Michaels with Jenny McCarthy. Uh, You got a lot of great matches. Of course, Lawrence Taylor beating Bam Bam Bigelow. We talked about Salt and Peppa. Uh, Do you remember the song that they sang? Yeah, well, they did uh, What a Man, yep. and they sort of LT'd it by just saying, Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> what a really good man Lawrence Taylor Lawrence is. Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> what a man, what a mighty good man. 
Oh dear. So that, but that was right at the same time. So that's when this was, this was probably the best two months of Bam Bam's professional life. Oh, I, I, I can't imagine that he wouldn't have thought the same thing. Yeah. I mean, it really, really must have been be on top of the world. You're in a movie that, you know, that turns out 30 million almost at the box office. You're in the main event at WrestleMania and in a non-title match, a rare thing to get, you know, for a guy that never got the WWF or WWE championship to be in the main event at WrestleMania is a, is a big, big deal. So very, very exciting career, Bam Bam. Sadly, it ended too soon. But let's do the tap out thing on all three of these cameos, Craig. We're going cameo only on these. Okay. Do you tap out to the Joe's apartment cameo? Uh, yeah, I almost tap out before the holes applied. <laughs> yeah, I, I tap out too. It's pathetic. Major pain cameo. Do you tap out? Oh, not at all. Like, like I said during the, the coverage of that one, that is probably a pitch perfect cameo. It's perfect utilization of the, of the, of the performer. And it's just a really, really fun sequence that you can watch outside of the movie and still enjoy. Yeah, it really is. And it is the perfect role for Bam Bam. When he pulls up on that motorcycle and reaches up and pulls that leather covering off his, off his skull and we see those flames, it's just awesome. So I don't tap out either to Major Pain. And this brings us to the final one, the rubber match here. Does Bam Bam get a full, you know, does he, do we go towards tap out or do we stay on untap, ready to rumble? Do you tap out to that one? I, as a cameo, I, I'm not going to tap on it just because there's so many more wrestlers in that scene. It wasn't really about showcasing one individual guy. So I think the cameo works. No tap. I'm going the same way because he's wrestling in the scene and it's a wrestling movie. It totally makes perfect sense. So that'll wrap this one up. This is another Camel Clutch Cinema in the bag. Three Bam Bam Bigelow cameos. Craig, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. This was a lot of fun as always. And thank you to you for listening. And we'll see you next time here on Camel Clutch Cinema. So you want to wrestle, huh? You're too little. We got ushers bigger than you. Leave. I got to take a crack. Don't you see? Your skills plus my skills in the ring. Tag team. Howard Patrols is John Triton. What are you doing up there? Staying away from you. No more rhymes now. I mean it. Anybody want to feel it? What's that smell? Down goes Jimmy King. Oh, my God. A four-post massacre. No one can survive this. This isn't even a pay-per-view!